listening to Syntax, the podcast with the tastiest web development treats out there. Strap yourself in and get ready. Here is Scott Talensky and Wes Boss. Welcome to Syntax. This is the... <laughs> I just... Someone put their name as Scott Belinsky on this Q&A. I just saw that when I was laughing. Anyways, welcome to Syntax. <laughs> this is... Uh, the podcast with the tastiest web development treats. Today, we've got a potluck uh, Q&A. We got some really good questions since since we last did a potluck. I thought like, man, there's more here than I would like to answer. So thank you for sending them in. If you want to send in your own questions to the episode, go to syntax.fm, top right corner, click the potluck button and submit your question that way. Today, we are sponsored by Sentry, which is going to do all of your error and exception tracking and fresh books which does your cloud accounting uh, with me as always is Mr. Scott Talinsky. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing good. It's a winter wonderland outside. I'm on my new 16 inch MacBook Pro, uh, of which we're going to have to talk about at some point. But uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm feeling real good. Yeah, I got mine, too. I'm so excited about it. I just did the typed on the keyboard of it and I thought it was amazing. And the escape key is great and the arrow keys are great. Yeah. Do you know what my favorite aspect of the keyboard is that I don't think people have been necessarily talking too much about? What? Is that the keys are further apart. Are they? And I have kind of fat fingers. So like my my finger will would often hit multiple keys at once. The keys are further apart. Yeah, you're right. So you get they are further apart. You get a nice separation when you're typing. It also feels a little bit like I feel like my fingers still aren't attuned to like where to reach to hit certain keys just yet. But I know once I do, it's going to feel really good because so far I've been getting a lot better separation. And me in particular, I, I'm definitely, a you know, I just go to type. I don't know. I want to say recklessly, I guess, is how I do things. And uh, yeah, it's, this is much better for my reckless style of typing than the previous one was. Yeah, it's the same. I use a. I use a magic keyboard just on my desk and it's the same keyboard. That's what I always mm-hmm. loved about it. And I think it was iFixit even took a keycap off of a magic keyboard and it fits perfectly on the laptop. It's just a little bit taller. That's the only problem. Oh, yeah. I just, it's, I'm so happy with it. It's, mm-hmm. We'll we'll do a full episode kind of talking about it. People always ask, like, what's the best machine for being a web developer. And uh, we, I've been saying recently, like not the MacBook Pro, for, <laughs> that's for sure, unless the, you can get an old one. The Chromebook Pro, the... Yeah. Yeah. What, what if I... It's like, if you... Like, what did you... You made some joke about you're eating a, a crunchy granola bar. Yeah, Nature Valley book. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, if you eat a rice cake in the same uh, building as the MacBook Pro, it will fail. Uh, so true. I'm so happy that they're fixed. And it, we'll do a whole episode on on like hardware and, and just kind of reviewing them because it's such a such an integral part to being a developer is having like a rock solid laptop. So uh, stay tuned for that. Um, so you want to you want to grab the first question here from Skos Belinsky. Yes, this question is from Skos Belinsky or Boss Linsky. Hey, guys, uh, this is hopefully a quick one. I'm potentially starting a new job as an Angular developer, modern Angular. But I am scared that even though I will continue to stay on the cutting edge in my personal project, using Angular in my job will make it harder to get a job after that with more modern tech like React. Do, do you think there's any truth to this? Well, I, I think the, the biggest problem with this question off the bat is that angular modern angular whatever that's modern tech man i the only thing i would say is not modern tech is using like uh jquery plugins in a you know sort of hack together way or something so right there i'm gonna go ahead and 
and say that I don't think there's anything that you have to worry about. There's a billion jobs that are are Angular jobs. I mean, Angular is probably billion. Yeah. yeah, like the second largest job market, if not the largest job market for developers with React. And so modern Angular, man, you can make a great career and a great living right now doing Angular is straight up. I mean, there there is a huge amount of interest in Angular just because maybe uh, sometimes people like us don't talk about it as much, mostly because we don't use it. But I don't think you have anything to be worried about there. And also Angular is a TypeScript, so you're still like getting all that goodness going on. That's true. Uh, I don't take anything that you hear on this show as uh, like... Scott and I are React and Node heavy, and that's not a representation of web development no. in general. That's a representation of Scott and I who use React and Node. So no, this is totally fine. Plus, like, I don't know, modern Angular is awesome. Like, we obviously love to make Angular jokes here because they're funny, but modern Angular is amazing, and you're going to be a badass JavaScript developer by the end of it, and you'll be able to pivot into whatever framework comes next at your next job. Don't sweat that at all. Yeah. And also, I mean, any modern framework like Angular is all component based anyway. So you still uh, like most of the concepts apply. It's just different syntax and different ways of accomplishing the same goals. So as long as, again, you're getting those little nuggets in your your learning. <laughs> yeah, you're going to start, you know, still progress. Uh, next question we have here is, yo, guys, saw soy sauce stirred up quite the controversy. LOL. What are some big <laughs> developer disagreements you have? <laughs> All right. So on Twitter, I like posted like soy sauce. Does it go in the fridge or does it go in the pantry? And I got like 4000 votes and it was 50 50 for almost the whole time. And then pantry pulled ahead and like. I always put it in the pantry and my, it drives my wife crazy. We put hot sauce in this pantry. When I was growing up, we put ketchup in the pantry, which Ew. I agree is weird because it gets like you get like that weird sauce on top. So that that's weird. But like I put everything in the pantry. It's not going to kill you, especially soy sauce. And like Scott comes swinging that he puts <laughs> it in the fridge because that's what the label says. I follow the label, man. It's a label. I, I, they know uh, I'm not, I didn't make the soy sauce. I don't know all of the ingredients they put in it. You know, I know what soy sauce should be made of. But I didn't inspect the label. I didn't say, hmm, what did Trader Joe's put in their soy sauce as a preservative or if it needs anything or whatever? I honestly have no idea. But all I know is that it says refrigerate after opening. And so, you know what? I'm going to refrigerate after opening because I don't want to get uh, any, any, uh, I know before people who Botulism. are all up on their soy sauce come at me about this, I really don't have a, uh, like a specific dog in this fight other than the fact that the label <laughs> says to do it. So I, I followed that rule. Uh, that's big fridge, big fridge lobbies for soy sauce so that you need a bigger fridge. It's uh, <laughs> it's all a scam anyways. So like, I don't know. I thought that was pretty fun because like Twitter can be a bit of a, angry place at some point and it's it's fun to get riled up about something like soy sauce totally because it's yeah. funny right and everyone's got their opinions i haven't had a soy sauce wrap on there that was really good yeah i like that thank you what are the actual developer disagreements we have like i i think like me and scott very rarely have disagreements in terms of like what we have um and it's not because we're like totally in line but i think it's just because like we're both kind of like, I could see why that would work yeah. for you or like that that would work for somebody else. So I don't really have super concrete opinions because I'm I'm often wrong <laughs> and uh, things like like even when we did, we talked about tailwinds and we say like, ah, it's cool, but not for me. Yeah. We got so many people are like, whoa, yeah. like you hate tailwinds <laughs> and things like that. They're like, no, it's 
it's cool. And like, we might be wrong about it. It's definitely gaining some serious momentum since we talked about it. I don't know. What are some other disagreements that you have about web development? I think I might be able to start some disagreements here because I've changed some of my, uh, we had like a, we had like one episode a while back where we were talking about our our dev opinions and we were trying to disagree on stuff and we ended up agreeing on everything. But I've since (laughs) changed some of my viewpoints on some of those things. For instance, I don't use semicolons anymore. (laughs) I've abandoned semicolons. I turned them off in my ES lens settings and my pretty gear settings and it removes them for me. And you know what? I'm still here. My application still works. It still works. It's beautiful. Unbelievable. And you know what? I don't have to have those dumb semicolons. And you know what? I can read the code still. So uh, I think some people are like, I can't read the code. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's It's been absolutely fine. I've had absolutely uh, no seconds lost to removing semicolons in my code base. <laughs> absolutely none. Another one is I've actually, uh, somebody made a really good argument for why you should use tabs over spaces due to an accessibility reasons. And it swayed me. Uh, so I haven't converted my project to tabs because that's going to goof up all my commits. But like, I don't know, I think, I, I think I'm swayed to tabs. So I just pulled up the article here um, and it says uh, using a tab width uh, by just using one tab, then you can customize it in your editor as to how wide to display that thing. So uh, for some developers, they like to jack up the font size um, because I don't know, maybe like I, I personally do this. I keep my font size pretty big. I always get comments, um, <laughs> people saying like, whoa, that's pretty big. And half that's because I record screencasts and I just leave it large. Um, and half is like, I kind of like it. I keep mine pretty small and then I shove my nose into the screen. <laughs> I just get really close. But if you have, if you jack up the, uh, it's sort of like using like um, pixels for padding. Because if you jack up the font size, then also the padding and everything jacks up as well, which is not necessarily what you want. So if you use a tab, you can jack up the font size and then and then really clamp down on what an actual tab character looks like in your editor. So that's a valid argument. I like that. Yeah. And I, I was just thinking about it and I was thinking, yeah, I guess it, it makes enough sense and it really gives me no detriment, right? It gives you no detriment. Also, somebody said your file sizes are smaller. Like, I guess that's fine too. Uh, not like, like I got a two terabyte hard drive on this thing. I don't care anymore. Can you imagine all the space you're saving without four tab characters? How many node modules can I fit on this hard drive? <laughs> <laughs> also, like that's that's not really true with GZIP or minification. Right. So I don't know if that's really a valid argument. Well, I mean, I think I'm not, not like file size loaded, but file size on your hard disk is what I was thinking. Oh, yeah. But yes, <laughs> uh, uh, of course. So I don't know if we disagree with those things, but those are two two little bits that we used to agree on that I've since changed my opinion on. I don't know if I, I swayed you in any sort of way here. I didn't make an argument for semicolons other than, you know, I just don't like them anymore. I just me and me and semicolons uh, no longer my best friend. Yeah. I yeah. could see why you wouldn't want it. And like, I, I don't know, I might change that at some point in time, but I've never felt so moved to try to convert somebody on, on some of these things. Yeah. It was the episode <laughs> on uh, bike shedding. That That's was the, where we yeah. talked about all yeah. these silly things. Yes. Yeah. It's just, just not my personality. I really couldn't care. Just en- enjoy what you do. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, Emily says in JavaScript, bang equals equals is the same as bang equals but I was told there was a slight technical difference. I cannot find what that difference is. Can you elaborate on this? Love the show. It's been a huge help. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Emily. Uh, okay. 
So this question is related to the whole triple equals versus double equals in comparisons in JavaScript. As you may know, in JavaScript, there is some sort of interesting behavioral with comparisons. For instance, if you had a double equals, uh, a numeral zero would be true if it was equal equal to the string of zero, which obviously is kind of unpredicted. Like that's not something that you would commonly think of as being the same, right? Yeah. One's a string, one's a number, right? Right. The value is the same, but not the the type. Exactly. So it leads to some interesting sort of situations, right? So what it really comes down to is that whether you're doing the triple equals or the double equals and whether or not the bang is in front, it's still a strict check like that. That's really what it comes down to is whether or not this this is a strict check. And um, what more is there to really say on it than than that's it? Yeah. Yeah. It's the the bang double equals will check for type and value and the bang equals will only check for value. Right. That's it. I don't know when I was. Uh, more of a newbie programmer, I was doing less strict everything because it was seemed easier or something. And in reality, it just led to more issues and bugs and confusion. And I've since been changing my thought process and becoming more strict on everything, especially I've moved my project to TypeScript recently and I, you know, strict everything on TypeScript. And at first it was the giant pain in the butt. And then as I saw the benefits of TypeScript and then I saw the benefits and then tried to use TypeScript without those strict aspects. I started being like, wait, wait, why would you even use TypeScript without strict checks? Um, So again, I've become more strict in checking anything, whether it's comparisons or types or whatever. So that's sort of why we always say use the triple exclamation or triple equals just because it's more clear of what it's asking for. But, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, you're going to run into all kinds of bugs if you always use the triple equals. That's my rule. That's what I put in my beginner JavaScript course. Yeah, um, I always, the, double, the only use case for the double equals, if, if you want to check if something is undefined or null, that double equals will work there. But I think that's the only use case you should be using it for. Totally. Uh, next question is from Epif. It says rap artist. Check out my music if you like. It's a little little SoundCloud drop right there. Oh. Thank you. What are your rules on using other devs' repos as boilerplate? Example: using Wes's advanced React starter files to utilize for my own project. Um, I just want to play fair and not step on any toes. So this always comes down to what is the license of mm-hmm. the code. Um, so you have to check what the license is. Actually, uh, this is probably bad. I don't even know if I have a license on some of those, but it's fair game. Yeah, the the rules. I get people email me all the time. Hey, can I use this in my like startup, or can I use your your starter files in a project of mine, or can I like post the code to GitHub? Absolutely, totally fine. Um, almost everything on GitHub has a license attached to it. Um, you just double check it, and almost everything is is fair game to to go ahead and keep using yourself. Word. Yeah, that's really it. Again, it's it's always check the license, but um, as long as the license is good for it. Then, then go for it. I mean, that's why it's there. That's the the point of open source. I mean, there's a ton of repos that I always consult with, even if I'm not straight up jacking the code. Maybe I'm, I'm taking some of it to apply the techniques. And I, I think that's, you know, entirely within the legality and ethical bounds as long as the license allows you to do so. This next question is from Ryan Tracy. What music do you listen to while you code? As an extension, could we crowdsource a dev playlist and host it on Spotify? That actually might be a lot of fun. I could be in charge of the rap playlist and Wes could be in charge of the scream, screamo playlist. (laughs) (laughs) 
it's a funny thing, music. Like, I don't know. I, I, I like hung out with my buddies at the cottage on the weekend and like I tried playing my own music for like 10 minutes and like nobody, nobody enjoys other people's music unless you're like <laughs> you like the same kind of music. And it's a weird thing to try to like push your music on somebody else's. Yeah, because it's like it's the same. I feel the same way with um, editor themes. Like I never try to like sell somebody on using my editor theme because I'm like, hey, if you like it, go for it. But if not. I don't care. It's all personal uh, preference. It's just it's my own personal preference. So I don't know. I listen to mostly uh, hardcore. Um, I have a couple public playlists that are getting pretty popular with devs because um, one's called Retired Scenester Metalcore. Um, and then I have another one that's called Head Bob, um, which a lot of you have subscribed to after I mentioned it last time. Um, and it's basically just music that you bob your head to and it puts you in the in the zone. There's no screaming in that one. <laughs> I listen to uh, the two genres I probably listen to the most would be like golden era rap music. I have a playlist called golden era we can share. And then I have yeah, a put that in the show notes. Yeah. And then I have a rap music to code to, which is like modern rap music. And what else do I listen to to code to? I, I guess I, I listen to a lot of ghostly artists. I used to work for a record label, ghostly international. They do a lot of electronic music. Um, that's, it's techno sort, not techno based, but, um, the label has techno roots like Matthew Deere sort of stuff. So I, I listen to a lot of one of their new artists is, uh, drama all caps. And it's really good to go to cause it's sort of jazzy electronic music that just doesn't really take too much of your concentration out of you. Uh, and it's just really nice. A lot of that music like Tycho or any of that stuff's really good for me. I've been recently getting into, this is like sort of a, a weird genre of rap music, but it's like just stoner rap music where these guys put out a thousand mixtapes a year, uh, like Currency and Burner and whoever. They put out like a thousand mixtapes and they're not necessarily the most creative or most interesting. And in fact, I don't want them to be because they're just sort of like just a, a sort of relaxed beat. And some guy basically just talking about who knows what. And because they've released so many billions of music, they're not saying anything important. They're just talking about, Oh, I went to the, the store and I got out of my car. And it's like, so I don't, I don't know what it is about it, but it's so mundane. <laughs> I can, I love coding to it in a way that uh, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's funny. So I'll put some of this music up on the, the show notes, but that's really what I like. I just made a playlist and I made it collaborative so Ooh. anybody can add music to it. It's called uh, Syntax Coding Music. So we'll put a link in the show notes. You can just search it and go ahead and add your fave tracks for coding. And oh, we'll, fun. We'll, and make sure you follow that playlist. It'll be fun. That'll be, that's all right. That sounds like a great time. Yeah. Cool. Uh, what also sounds like a great time is setting up your error and exception handling so that you don't have any bugs in your projects anymore. Because let me tell you, I can't live without Sentry. And uh, Sentry at Sentry.io is one of our favorite sponsors over here. I have all our favorite sponsors. We love our sponsors. Um, but Sentry is the error and exception handling tool that works with just about anything that you could possibly want to use it with. And you just connect it to your application. It can log in and connect exceptions. You can track them to specific releases so you can tell when a bug was introduced so that you can make sure that if you need to roll back that commit or that release, 
you have that bug right in front of you, or you can say, okay, I fixed this bug. And then in the next release, you can mark it as a regression if that bug pops up again. And all of this within a really nice and easy to use interface that looks great and allows you to basically see any issue that you're having right in front of your face. So head on over to Sentry at Sentry.io and use the coupon code TastyTreat and you will get two months for free. That is a tasty treat, all lowercase, all one word. Um, let them know that you you came from uh, Syntax. Uh, we over here at Syntax, we, you know, we advertise for the companies that we use and love. So I'm a big fan of Century. I use it on all of my projects and a huge fan of the project in general. So check it out. Thank you so much for Century for sponsoring. Next question from Juan Gonzalez. How do you go about working with different technologies and stacks, front end related, when you have to accommodate for client or other developer biases towards specific things? Like you have to learn a different set of tools in a new project because someone doesn't like what you use and says X is the better tool for a job. Hope that makes sense. Yes, this is every developer ever yep. has opinions on what's what's the best stack. And often you'll have uh, like a senior developer who makes these choices and, and has opinions or uh, like something that's better. And then you also have like this whole web development sphere that changes their mind as to what is the best stack every three minutes. Um, and you have businesses that actually need to make money and can't keep changing it. And the answer, my answer to that is that you can obviously try to change their mind, but almost always there's smart people that have made these decisions. And just because it's something that you don't know doesn't mean that it's bad. And your job as a developer is to learn that thing and, and to work with those tools. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it goes along with even what we've talked about with working with designers too, uh, because it may seem like this at times. I know I've been into some pretty heated dev conversations, heated dev moments, as you might say, uh, where people are just really getting into it over what the stuff they like to use is. And, um, Again, I, th I think it needs to be a conversation. It's hard part when personalities clash because some people are just really just, I don't know what the right word is, but just aggressive towards what they really like to use. And they think it's maybe yeah. the only way and they're not going to listen or budge. And maybe it's nice to have a, a moderator involved if there's multiple people. But at the end of the day, it's a lot about learning why they like something. And then hopefully they'll do you the same favor of learning why you like something and maybe you can chat about it. I remember one time we had a project and the project was initially created with less and we had this huge, uh, like a four dev discussion over SAS versus less and uh, was sort of leading the charge along with another developer into saying, you know what, this project should really be in SAS because, hey man, uh, less doesn't really do as much as SAS does and there's better SAS libraries out there. At the time it was, you know, grid frameworks were all the rage and the SAS, SAS frameworks like Suzy were way better. So uh, we, we had a talk about it and we went through the pros and cons and we sat down as mature developers and we talked it out and, and worked it over. And at the end of the day, it's a group project and you need a group result. Sometimes you need to give a little and sometimes you need to push down a little harder. But at the end of the day, be respectful to your coworkers. Uh, nobody has the necessarily right answers. Everybody just has different opinions. So, yeah, that's all I got to say about it, I think. Beautiful. Next question is from Andrew Gilliand. Dear Boss and Scooter. Man, people come in these names today. Uh, legit podcast. <laughs> mad respect. Yeah, mad respect back, Andrew. 
Uh, I know there is no magic SEO silver bullet, but what are some of the best practices for implementing SEO into your website or web application? Now, this one is, it's kind of tough because uh, SEO stuff changes all the time. You know, Google can sort of change or tweak their algorithm or DuckDuckGo or whoever, they can change or tweak their algorithm all the time. And really some things that are important a couple of years ago may no longer be important today. Think about back in the days we used to spam keywords into our site until Google's like, all right, people are just spamming keywords. So let's adjust the algorithm, right? Um, so I don't even know if that was Google back then. That might've been Alta Vista. Alta Vista might've been adjusting <laughs> their algorithm. Uh, but yeah. I, one thing I like to think about SEO is it's never going to hurt you to have proper HTML semantics and proper HTML structure at all times using the correct tags, whether or not something really truly is an H1 in uh, following those rules, uh, article section, main header, footer, nav, all those semantic elements in HTML, learning why people use them, what they're used for, and using those appropriately is one of the biggest things. Um, And that's not going to skyrocket you to the top of search rankings because that's not how it works. But having those core fundamentals is going to help. As same with anything that's uh, um, performance-based, you want a fast website, you want a mobile-first, not necessarily mobile-first, but a uh, mobile-responsive website, So it has to load quickly, it has to work well on mobile, and it has to be okay semantically as a base foundation before you try to do anything else within your SEO. Yeah, that's honestly all I do is just have good, like it's not even amazing, but just good HTML semantic structure. Um, Because like at the end of the day, you have to remember that Google is trying to find their users the best possible result. And as soon as people catch on to tricks, yes, like, backlinking and stuff, they change it and the, the, they will they will go out for it. So so don't go any down any rabbit hole of tricks. Surely those work and surely those will change over time. Um, but honestly, just just putting out the content so it's easily accessible. It's fast. It's mobile friendly, things like that. As long as that content is accessible and good quality for your users, I think that that's going to, to really help out. I get people asking me all the time. They're like, hey, Wes, how do you get that like little box at the top of Google? where if you search, I, I used to have it. If you search let versus const, I think Tyler McGinnis took it from me. Oh, it, it changed <laughs> again. If you'd search let versus const in Google, I used to have the box for about a year. Uh, and then I, I Googled it a couple of months ago and, and Tyler McGinnis took it. And now it looks like a Medium article ha- has it. So I don't know what, what they're doing there, but I think we're all just trying to provide good info. There might be something about my article was from 2016 and Tyler's article is from January 1. So maybe keeping that up to date. I've heard that works as well. It's funny, one of yours always comes up when I'm looking for good examples for default parameters and uh, rest versus spread sort of stuff. I think yours always comes up. And I think it's just because your content is written really well. I mean, that's another huge thing. If your content is good and your content uh, is what people are searching for and people find it, they're going to link to it. It's just going to continue to move up in the rankings. Like, like he's, I mean, it's, it's, it's all about the the best practices, right? Uh, Who are tricks for Wes? Who are tricks for? Tricksters? What? They're for kids, man. Tricks are for kids. Tricks are for kids. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Don't leave those leave those tricks at home. <laughs> that's un, that, that's not the answer anybody ever wants to hear. No. The same with like they're like, how do you like how are you, how are you hacking sales and, and getting Twitter followers? I'm like, 
honestly, just that's the long game. Just good content. That's unfortunately I don't have any other tricks there. Yeah. All right. Next question we have here from Simo. Hi, gents. Love the podcast. It has given me lots of inspiration ideas when dealing with responsive sites. How do you go about respecting the request in iOS Safari to show the desktop site? So this is on Google Chrome by mobile as well. If you are on a website and you click show request desktop site, like what happens there? Like how, how are you the developer implementing it? And unfortunately, responsive sites don't respect that because all that is doing is changing the uh, user agent string of the request. And a lot of websites will take in the user agent. User agent string is this little piece of data that comes along with every request. And it, it gives you information about the browser that is requesting the website. Um, and then based on that, either in JavaScript or in on your server, you can serve up different websites. And that's what a lot of websites do. They have a mobile site and a desktop site. And by doing that, they, they, they change the user agent to a desktop browser, and then it tricks the website into loading the desktop site for you. Fortunately, you can't do that with responsive. Yeah. I don't have anything to add cool. to that. Yeah, that was that's good. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> OK, next question is from Daniel Bro. Hey, Code Kings or hi, Code Kings. First of all, I love the soundboard effects on your show. Oh, they love the show. But then the sound effects, soundboard effects are in parens. Uh, I got a quick <laughs> and simple question from a newbie myself. I get confused about your usage of the word app. You don't make iPhone or Android apps, but you often throw the word around like I would create a node app or some apps I made, et cetera. Is it just website applications or how exactly should I interpret the word node app or web app compared to mobile app? Keep the episodes coming. Peace from Denmark. Uh, peace from Denver. Daniel, uh, we um, we just use the word app primarily as web app. I'm not a native developer. I know I've worked in React Native. I've built things in React Native, but largely I'm not an app developer on the app store, so to say. However, uh, I do make web applications. Now, what is the difference? Well, the difference is they're hosted on or created with web technologies. Now, with the addition to uh, T, are they called TSAs? Whatever web apps, progressive web apps that can go in the Android store. PWA is the progressive web app, but there was like a light version that we talked about a while. I think it was TSA. Yeah, where you can now actually store uh, apps on the app store that are written in web tech. So largely when we refer to applications, we're referring to web sites that have more than just straight up HTML and JavaScript and maybe uh, JavaScript to do like a little toggle here or there or something. We're talking about things that are primarily using JavaScript to write the application, to fetch data from an API, to do things like handle accounts. It's it's. It's just websites that are advanced. Uh, it's just a different language for the same thing. Yeah, that's it's just there's words in programming like app and state. And I don't know, what are some of those other words that you just use and they mean a different thing it, depending on the context? Yeah, uh, it just means application. And and that that's what oh API is another one. Yeah, like you right. think API is is like a like an endpoint where you fetch data from. But then API is also just like a set of of functions that you can use to interact with something, right? Like API just means the way that you interact with something. 
Uh, and unfortunately, those words are often loaded. And and then you you have the added benefit of someone like Apple coming around and like just taking the word for themselves yeah. and saying like, OK, apps are now like iPhone apps. There's something that are bundled up and, and pushed. So it just means code that's put together uh, to run somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Beautiful. Next question is from Robbie. Thank you for the thank you for the uh, pronunciation. Robbie Doyle. Yo. Oh, all of these questions they're are good. like they're hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I think we I think we have successfully appealed to the younger demographic, Scott, based on some of these questions. Yo, holy, holy crap. My two favorite tut guys have a podcast and I didn't know it. Thanks for all you do. I wanted to ask you for your thoughts on transform class properties from Babel. Um, heard heard the cast on React State. I found it mind blowing when setting everything up without constructors. What? <laughs> the question here is they wanted, uh, Ra B wanted our thoughts on transform class, oh, class properties. properties. Yeah. Okay. Can, can you explain real quick what, what are class properties? So uh, in the context in which Raw B is talking about is within React. And uh, oftentimes when you're setting up your class-based component, you needed a constructor to pull the props in or do things like that or modify or set up the, the state. And what this allows you to do is have properties like an object property would be on an object just on a class. And typically you'll see this being used as like like static properties or something like that. But basically, instead of defining your state as this dot state, whatever, you're defining as just state is equal to an object within your class directly. And that way you don't have to use a constructor to uh, get that initial state stead. And it has been so long since I have written a class component that I'm just feeling like, I like don't even remember that I can't even picture the code in my mind's eye. I need to like go look it up. It's so funny. I yeah. just just did a tutorial on it. I can my I can God. tell you because it they, it works in Chrome now. You, like you don't even need this oh, really? plugin. I, yeah, yeah, it See? just works. So like when you have your class and you have your your methods on your class, um, which would be prototype methods. Um, but if you want a either an instance property, meaning that a property that is unique to every instance, not on the prototype, or if you want a static property, um, which means that it doesn't exist on the instance, it just it it only exists on the class, like array dot from is a static. That's a static method. But so like, how do you do that? Um, that's with the class property and you just do an equals inside of the class. So you, you might um, it, sorry, previously, like Scott said, you'd have to set those properties in the constructor and then, then your constructor just starts looking a little bit like weird, you know, like you've got so much Huge. junk just yeah. thrown in your constructor, um, and class properties allow you just to, it's, it's very much just like a property on an object, except you use the equal sign instead of a colon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, so what are our thoughts on it? I, I used it extensively and exclusively when I was still writing class components, so I like it. I like the syntax. It's cleaner. It's nicer. Yeah, it's it's funny. Like I don't use classes a whole lot. Um, that's uh, classes are more of like a object oriented uh, approach to it. And I think Scott and I are lean a little bit more towards like functional totally. JavaScript devs. Yeah. So um, we don't use them a whole lot. Um, I did include them in my course just because, like, I, I think I once did a, a poll on Twitter. That said, like, do you use classes? And it was 50-50 split, just like soy sauce, right down the middle. Um, just and like there was soy. very classic, very divisive classes. comments. They're on just like side. soy sauce. <laughs> <laughs> 
Some people put it in the pantry and some people put it in the fridge. And if you want to keep your soy sauce fresh like mine and that not not fresh like Wes's in the pantry, (laughs) (laughs) you'll keep your soy sauce in the fridge. And uh, no, I'm just joking. I don't have strong feelings, but you'll probably want to use fresh books to keep track of your expense when you buy soy sauce for the office because we all need Mm -hmm. soy sauce in the office. So. Uh, I'm just telling you right there, Scott, if you were to buy soy sauce in Canada for the office, you'd only if it was food, you'd only be able to write it off for 50 percent unless it was part of a sushi party, which you are giving to your employees and you could write off the soy sauce 100 percent. How do you keep track of um, how much of an expense to to should you write it off 50 percent because it was a meal or it should you write it off 100% because you are providing it as part of a party. That, that's tax rules in Canada. And and how do I do that? Because sometimes um, I just go out for a lunch when I'm traveling and I can only expense 50% of that. And sometimes I uh, we have like a, a Christmas party with me and my wife at the end of the year. Exactly. Um, and I use FreshBooks to track all of that, including my soy sauce purchases. So check it out at freshbooks.com forward slash syntax. Um, and, uh, make sure you use syntax in the, how did you hear about a section? You'll get 30 day unrestricted free trial when you check that out. Thanks so much to fresh books for sponsoring. It's coming up on that time where, uh, we've got to get all our expenses in order and all those things. Not looking forward to it. Although I'm working with a new, new accounting service this year. So I think it's going to be a little bit better. Okay. Next question is from Sarmoon and Sarmoon asks, hola, Wes and Scott. Big fan of both of you. I'm a beginner. I have mostly learned front end so far, HTML, CSS, JavaScript, React. Should I first get pretty good at these before learning some back end? Or should I start learning some back end and have a basic knowledge of both front end and back end? Thank you in advance. Um, it depends. Uh, it depends on what your goals are. If your goal is to just get a job as a front end dev, you just get get that expert tag and, and just work really hard on the front end stuff. But if your goals are to be a better developer and have a bigger understanding of the web overall, Ain't no harm throwing a little bit of a note in there. And uh, I I would personally do it because that's me. And I'm like a little too all over the place and scatterbrained to stick to one thing for too long. But it all depends on what your goals are. If your goal is specifically to get a front end job, then I would just get get good at those front end technologies. If your goals are to be uh, a good, well-rounded developer, then pick up some note as well. Yeah, it, honestly, if you you should at least build some small app in Node. If you want to take my Learn Node course, that would be perfect for you. Whoa! Um, just so Selly. that Getting you can, uh, yeah, getting a little selly. Sorry about that. Um, couldn't resist. Oof. I think if you're a front end dev, you should at least understand how the server works. Um, and if that means just building one thing, you might love it, and you might be like, "Well, I'm going to be a sweet full stack dev now," and I love building the back end and the front end, like. It can't hurt. You're only it's only a benefit by learning uh, at least one project in the back end. You'll either say, good, I'm glad I understand how that cycle works. Or you might say, oh, I really enjoy going from back end to front end and and doing React and JavaScript. I love doing it all. And and that's me and Scott. And I'm super glad that I'm not limited by that. Plus, like you, you probably have your own ideas. You're like, oh, I wish I could build an app that did X, Y or Z scraped bikes or something silly like that. Then you can build it. You can be being able to build and fix your problems as a developer is one of the best parts. Cool. All right. Next question from Gabe. If for some reason React died today and you're no longer able to use it, which framework would you pick to use full time? Vue or Angular or something like Svelte? I would pick Vue. I would. 
I would probably pick few because the community is large. And, yeah. You know, it's like one of those things that, you know, if the community is large and it's growing and there's energy behind it, um, then chances are there's people paying you money right. for projects that need to be built in view. There will be projects out there. There will be jobs out there. Right. You can't necessarily count on there being felt jobs out there right now. Uh that said, if I'm going purely on dev experience, I like felt more. Uh, I like felt more uh, because <laughs> it's it, it it it's different enough. I don't know. It's it's very simple and it's very nice. It has a lot of wow factor to it. But uh, again, it depends on what my goals are. If I'm building something for me, you know, I build something for me, uh, then I would probably go felt. It's hard to say. I don't necessarily have enough experience building real world apps with either of them. All I know is that the view community is definitely larger. So that, mm-hmm. yeah, those are my thoughts. Next question is from Anon. Not not the name Anon, but A-N-O-N, anonymous. What habits, strategies, or specific tools do you rely on to prevent your hard drives from filling up with useless files? Um, that was funny. We We joked a little bit about this. Uh, I use spaces. That's not what I do. No, I, I, uh, I use an application called the Daisy disc that has a really nice visual representation. of. Oh, that's what I use. Yeah. Yeah. I've been using Daisy disc since like, like 2003 since, since the public school era. Yeah. No, just like, it's <laughs> a rap lyric. I forgot what song though. Um, yeah, that's biggest smalls party and BS. Yes. That is, that's one of my, that's, man, that's one oh. of my favorite. Biggie uh, that's actually, songs. That actually I, let might me be cut my, in here. That's my one party trick. My one party trick is I can rap every word of party and BS. That's funny that you picked that up. Yeah, I was when I was in high school, we had like a super long bus ride and I was like, I'm going to learn every word to this. And it's like the best party trick is every party. I was like, whoa, like Tony did not expect you to know every word to party and BS. (laughs) (laughs) I can. Anyways, continue. I could I could rap uh, Ludacris's Welcome to America. That's my my party (laughs) trick, which is it's not even like a a Ludacris single. It's 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 like just a random Ludacris song. Uh, So that's my party trick. But yes. (laughs) <laughs> um, I believe the correct lyric is like, I've been a terrorist since the public school era. Is that what he says? Yeah. Yeah. Bathroom classes, cut and bat bathroom passes, cut and classes, classes, squeezing lemons. Sk- skipping re- school was a daily routine or something. Routine since 13, a chubby guy on the scene. Yeah. I used to have a trade deuce and the deuce, deuce, deuce and, and the, the bubble deuce. And now I got the back in my back sack lounging. <laughs> Uh, just also the thing is like half the words I can't say. Yeah, no, that's, that's correct. Uh, you need, you need a nice, nice, uh, uh, cool yes. song like, uh, wild, wild west by Will Smith. Cause he doesn't, he doesn't yeah. Jim West, West rider, rough rider. Don't wait. Oh man. I got that song. Jim West, rough rider. Oh man. never mind. I'm not going to try. Not, don't want none of this. None of the six gun running this dance a little in distress. Best be out of that dress when she meets Jim West. Okay. Uh, wow. yes. Well, okay, we uh, have a podcast together um, in March at Reactathon. <laughs> we will rap on stage. Yeah, <laughs> I can bring my soy sauce um, raps. Okay, so what habits and strategies? I use Daisy Disc. Uh, I look at this thing all the time because it, it like, especially for me with a lot of video files, they take up a lot of space. So it makes it really easy, uh, especially my, uh, my node modules folder or meteor project folder. Some of that stuff can fill up pretty huge. 
Uh, and this thing at least gives you a, a perfect view as to where to dial down to find all of those. I also use an application called Clean My Mac, uh, which I've been using for a number of years, which deletes a lot of cache files, um, extraneous yeah. system utilities, stuff that you don't need. It checks on permissions. It resets all sorts of nice stuff. And uh, generally is a nice utility to have. So those are my, my two key apps is Daisy Disk and Clean My Mac. Yeah, I use Daisy Disk a lot just to see where everything is. Um, I also have anytime I'm coding something that I know is temporary, I'll just name the folder delete me. And then I know later if I find a random folder, I can just delete it. Yeah. I know that it was just a temporary thing. Uh, there's a thing I use. I forget the name of the package, but it would delete node modules that were older than 30 days because node modules. Oh, yeah. If you, I don't know. Like I, I personally have probably... 300 projects on my computer and if everyone has node modules then i don't know that's that's gigs and gigs of readme files that you don't need on your computer totally the biggest one for me is archiving video uh because they're huge yeah. um so what i'll do for that is i'll put it on an external drive and i'll upload it to an off-site backup i use backblaze b2 for that so i have two if i ever need to pull them back down i'll do that and then I also have a policy of nothing is safe on the desktop or or downloads. Mm. And every now and then I'll just select everything on the desktop, everything on in downloads and just blow it away. Yeah, those are just temp. And then, yeah, it, it, if, if it matters to you, don't put it in your downloads folder. I see people do it all the time. When I used to teach uh, at boot camp, people would like work uh, on their project out of their downloads folder. And then like it would be called like, like GitHub master or whatever. And. I would, they would accidentally delete it. I'm like, oh, like have a good, yeah, like, like have good folder structure, right? Um, and then, and then I'll also archive old folders. Like I, I had like WordPresses from ten years ago. Uh, I just uploaded them all to to Backblaze B2, and then I just delete them off my computer, so I have have space. So I almost went for the two terabyte MacBook, which I think you went for, right? You bet I did. I have a good reason for that, which I'll get into if you want to. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm curious to hear. Yeah, what I, is it? Well, I I like to I like to play games. I know you're not a a, a gamer. I'm not necessarily a, no. a gamer either, but I I have a huge Steam library, as many people do, and uh, oh. most of those games only work on Windows. So the two terabyte drive, I'm gonna throw 600 gigabytes of that thing into Windows and say, hey. Have at oh, it. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. And so now I'm going to have a, a decent Windows machine because from what I've seen on uh, the reviews and the benchmarks, the gaming performance is on is really good. And since I got the the highest video card, uh, this thing's going to be really good as a, a gaming laptop. I didn't buy it as a gaming laptop, but I used to have a, a Hackintosh that I used to game on and I haven't been able to since uh, uh, taking that down. So I have an Xbox controller and I'm going to hook it up via Bluetooth and I'm going to play me uh, some video games at a high resolution on my laptop. How about that? That's cool. Yeah, I'm that's pretty- great. I didn't go for the one terabyte because my old laptop is one terabyte. And I want to I've many times I've I've needed to bring my computer into the shop and I just time machine restore the entire computer to my old one. And then I have absolutely everything mm-hmm. I need. Um, and it's a, just a one to one copy. And I've had it in the past where where the machine I was backing up to was or, or restoring to was smaller than what I had. And then you can't restore to it. So 
uh, ended up going one terabyte, although I sure would love two terabytes just to not have to worry about deleting stuff. <laughs> I have a, I have a NAS drive, so I'm kind of always moving stuff over there. Like I never let my hard drive get above like 500 gigabytes full. And I, I really got the, the two terabyte one just so I wouldn't have to feel bad about losing 600 yeah, gigabytes. Yeah, Windows, that's great. Yeah. So that's re- really my that. thoughts on it. Um, next. Oh, I also, I should say, to remove my known modules, I have an alias to remove those known modules. We talked about it in another episode. We can make sure that alias is, or at least the command that I run is in the show yeah. notes. So I'll make sure I have that in the show notes. Okay. Uh, Nick Richmond asks the last question, which we picked off of Twitter because we thought this was funny, which JS library is most like the Tesla Cybertruck. <laughs> if, you, if you haven't seen the Cybertruck uh, by now, you probably have because this is it was out last night um in a, an event and it is like the most brutalist looking vehicle you have ever been created it is absolutely absurd uh it looks like a giant triangle pyramid thing and i absolutely love it because i think it's super ugly and uh you know that's sort of how i roll uh what what javascript library is the most like the cyber truck <laughs> Oh, I got a good one. You got a good one. Please go with your good one because I'm 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 struggling to come up with one. Oh man, it, this is the clearest. It's RxJS. So RxJS is a uh, observable based. I don't even know how to describe it. Uh, reactive extensions library for JavaScript. So it's basically coding with observables, um, which it's it's a great way to to actually code. And why do I think that is uh, similar to the the truck? Because it's it's misunderstood often a lot of time. It's fast. It's performance minded. It looks ugly at first. And and lastly, the people who use it and talk about it are insufferable. <laughs> oh, God. It's like Tesla. Tesla Whoa. users are the new vegans, they said. Oh, my so, God. Uh, they are. Isn't that good? You can't say anything like you, you point out one minor thing about a, a Tesla being. I honestly like are they buying bots or something? Because like. Like there are certainly like Teslas are great. I would love to have one. But it's there like are, the Bitcoin people there are switch flaws to, with it, people. <laughs> there are certainly flaws. And like same with Apple people, though, like Apple people do not want to hear about Apple's flaws. Like they just don't want to hear it. And yeah. It's like these like yeah. personality cults or something. I have no idea. Uh, so uh, I'm not saying you're a cult if you're in those. I'm saying cult of personality. OK, uh, my pick is not going to be. It's going to be a VS Code theme, which is, I guess, not a library, but who cares? I can't think of anything. Uh, This is the Synthwave 84 uh, code theme. It has a nice, beautiful glow on it. It has a beautiful look. It's my favorite VS Code theme currently. And uh, it just, it's just out, out, outrunny. It's outrun. It's cyberpunky. It's all of those things that the cyber truck is. If there was, if there, if honestly, if there's a RoboCop JS, I'm going to look up Robo. RoboCop JS because you know I, I just do that. You can type in a word and then t- there is a RoboCop JS. Okay, of course there is uh, because I had no idea. Um, <laughs> RoboCop JS is something about JavaScript data schemas. It's a great name. Uh, I'm going to say RoboCop JS because this Cybertruck reminds me exactly of the movie RoboCop, which is a favorite of mine. Uh, RoboCop, for those of you who don't know, is a really really awesome movie. If you like very violent movies, it's very violent. So uh, if you're into that action movie and you haven't seen RoboCop, make sure you get it on Blu-ray. But yeah, I don't really have anything else. 
that that's pretty much it. The t- cyber trunk is, is, is my kind of ugly and I'm here for it. So that's all I got. All right. Uh, let's move into some sick picks. Sick picks. All right. I'm going to sick pick a crew neck from Everlane. And it's part of their, like a crew neck is just like a, like a sweatshirt without a hood on it. And Everlane has this like uniform line, which is stuff that is put through the washer hundreds of times and they, they test it out and they guarantee it for a year, 365. So if it becomes faded or stretched or anything like that, it's it's just awesome quality clothes. And I honestly don't think a year is all that impressive. Like I, I would hope that a, a nice sweatshirt would last you for for many years, but it's I've been loving it. It, it feels great. Um, my wife is really big into ethically sourcing mm-hmm. of of where the clothes actually come from and anti fast fashion. So she got this for me uh, when we were in New York and I was like, this is awesome. So check it out. It's called the Everlane Uniform Crew Neck. I got the green one. It looks sweet. I'm going to sick pick something that I sick picked in the past. And well, I don't know if I actually did sick pick this in the past. I may have talked about this. This is a keyboard, the Keytron K1. I bought this keyboard as a Bluetooth Mac mechanical quote-unquote keyboard it's got these weird uh, tiny little switches they're not like full-on mechanical switches it's like a low profile mechanical keyboard it feels really nice i've been a huge fan of this keyboard well i purchased it before the 16 inch macbook was released because my chromebook pro uh, was giving me double t's and uh every time i hit the space bar it put a comma in because that's how a computer should work um and so i got this keyboard the katron key one a while ago and it, the sensitivity was totally off. If you rested your finger on a key, it would trigger a key press instead of when the click happened. So uh, it was a total mess to use despite the typing experience being pretty nice. Well, they have re-released it with the third edition of it. So if you purchase this thing, make sure you get the third edition. Do not get the second edition or you will have a crappy keyboard. And this thing's great. It looks good. It's very uh, fancy. It's got some really beautiful RGB uh you know, fancy when I press a key, it like radiates. I've got some animation, man. I, I'm a sucker for that stuff. I love it. I love the glow. Um, so it's got this beautiful glow on it. It's a nice keyboard. And then now that the switches actually work, it's actually a nice keyboard. And um, there's not too many, one, Bluetooth keyboards that are mechanical, but two, uh, Bluetooth mechanical keyboards that have default Mac settings and Mac bindings and Mac keys already on them. So this really you know, checks a lot of those boxes and I, I really like it. The typing experience is great on this thing. So a big fan of the Keytron K1. Keytron. Keytron. Awesome. I'm going to shamelessly plug my beginner JavaScript course at beginnerjavascript.com. If you or someone you know. Oh, is this out? It's it's not out as of right now, but by no, the time that this, it should be out <laughs> otherwise. Sorry if it's not, but it's, um, <laughs> I've got like four more videos to record. Um, but like, I don't know. This has been my life's work for the past year. Um, and I, I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be like one of the best ways to learn JavaScript. So if you or someone you know, and I think that I'm kind of banking on people who listen to this podcast already know JavaScript. Um, some people are going to take it as just a refresher, just to fill in the gaps. Uh, but check it out. BeginnerJavaScript.com. Cool. I'm going to be plugging my Black Friday sale. That's going to be ending uh, like Today is when you're listening to this. This is December 4th. So uh, it's we, we record these episodes in the future. So it's like hard to put myself in future me's shoes here. But uh, this sale will be ending 
tomorrow. And it's going to be 50% off of a Level Up Tutorials subscription for the year. So sign up for that right now. This is going to be the cheapest price you can get the Level Up Tutorials subscription for all year. So make sure you sign up. Head to leveluptutorials.com forward slash pro. The course that I had just released in a couple days ago, as you're listening to this, November 30th, the course I just released is React and TypeScript for everyone. So that's the latest Level Up Tutorials course. You'll get that along with animating React, Next.js 9 and React, uh, Gatsby e-commerce, every single Level Up Tutorials course I've already released along with any ones that I release over the course of the next year. So if you are interested in learning all that stuff and shaping the future of Level Up Tutorials, head on over to leveluptutorials.com forward slash pro and sign up for the yearly price for Black Friday and save big monies. All right, sweet. Thanks so much for tuning in and we will catch you on Monday. Peace. Peace. Head on over to syntax.fm for a full archive of all of our shows. And don't forget to subscribe in your podcast player or drop a review if you like this show. 